This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 19, Episode 8. This is Writing Excuses. A mini-series on revision with Ali Fisher, working with an editor. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Don Juan. And I'm Allie Fisher. So I am very excited about this episode. Let me tell you what we're about to do. Yes. I am about to ask Dong Juan and Allie all of the questions that I wish I'd been able to ask an agent and an editor before I had published a novel. Amazing. <laughs> we are so excited yeah. to answer these questions. Yeah, yeah. We, I wish I could transmit from my brain all the information I know about how this process goes to every writer in the world because that's the whole point of this. We want them to feel comfortable coming into the process and see how it's not scary. And even though it is difficult at times that we're all pulling for the same goal at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And yes. Um, And I will say one of the things just straight up off the bat, dear writers, that you should know is that your agent and your editor and you are all on the same team. Exactly. Yes, it's true. And you are all trying to make the same book a better book mm-hmm. amen and you know one of the reasons i wanted to have ali on in particular is that we are working together on several projects at this point and yes. you know having a sense of ali's perspective but also so that you guys can hear a little bit of the working relationship between an agent and an editor working together i think there's this idea that is the agent versus the publishing house sometimes and then it's the author versus everybody sometimes <laughs> yeah. and the more that i think if we can find ways that to be clear that we are all trying to accomplish the same thing. That doesn't mean that conflict doesn't happen. That doesn't mean that there aren't problems, but at least we're starting from a place of understanding and conversation and alignment in what our goals are. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't mean that your agent won't advocate for you when needed. And it doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't going to be conflicts of um, sort of ideas or like thoughts on campaign, et cetera. Like that's just smart people working together. Um, But when it comes to the book itself and especially, I don't know, overall, I think there is no question that success of the book is a win-win-win for the whole team. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> writers, you've probably heard that at some point you're going to get something that's called an edit letter. Hmm. What's an edit letter? Never <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> Sounds like so to suspicious. Me. Well, Dongwon, do you want to start with the types of like letters or calls you do before I do? Um, yeah. So I think there are different stages of editing, right? What, what, what we sort of think of as developmental or structural and then sort of line editing. Um, what I tend to do is very much on the developmental stages. I'd love to be involved early in a project or when a submission comes to me and it's a debut, then I'm doing a lot of structural edits working with the author to make sure the book is in a great place before we send it off to the publishing house. So I'm asking, I tend to be asking incredibly broad questions, like big structural questions, you know, word count questions of like, can we add 20,000 words? Can we cut 30,000 words, right? Like that scale of question tends to be what I'm doing. So oftentimes... Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of what a structural question is? Yeah, so a structural question can be as much like, hey, I'm not sure this arc for this character is lining up with sort of the central themes of the book, right? Um, I'm being a little bit abstract. I'd say it more specifically of, you know, like this character's situation, it feels really disconnected with our protagonist's situation. 
can we make that feel more connected or should this be here? Like, what are, what are, what was your intention with writing this character into this book and how are they tying into the rest of it? Right. So that might be a structural question I'm asking that could affect an entire character arc, which is solutions to that could be rewriting that character's entire central conflict so that their arc ties more closely in. It could be cutting that character entirely because we all realize that they're extraneous and we're vestigial from a previous draft. Or it could be changing the central thematics of the book because that character is actually really important and their arc is more important than the protagonist's arc and we need to make those pull into alignment in a different way, right? So when I'm asking these structural questions, they are kind of that big and that broad about like, hey, the pacing doesn't feel great here. The um, the the act, the act to turn, the big reveal isn't landing in an exciting way this character isn't feeling like they're exciting and connected. This romance isn't working, right? These two characters don't come together in the way that I kind of wish. So that's kind of what I'm doing at that stage. And because they're such big, broad questions, and because I I really do frame them as questions, not like, hey, do X, Y, Z, I tend to do that as a conversation. So I'll, I'll get on the phone with the author. I know everyone's dreaded phone call. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will have edit conversations that are, two, three, four hours sometimes as we're really just talking through the book. Like, what were you trying to do? What, how does this work? What are possible solutions? And, you know, for me, those are some of the most exciting, most fun conversations I have. They're very difficult and stressful for me and for the author, but in ways that I think are really energizing when they go well. Yes. Uh, So not, not dissimilarly by the time it comes to me, Mm -hmm. normally it's in, you know, more polished condition or, you know, it is, it fits more firmly within the expectations of the types of things that the house that I work at publishes. Right. So like it it tends to be in a state that is quite recognizable to me. Uh, (laughs) And then I do a lot of the same things, you know, like I'm a different reader, different eye, different sense of um, uh, understanding about where the author's coming from, or probably a lot less understanding of where the author's coming from and probably just a lot more sort of like, generic reader experience and I'll ask a lot of the same questions um very high structural things um you mentioned worst case scenario twice and we never saw it you know uh which made me want to see it so something like that right um and then all the way down to sometimes sort of sentence level style questions or you know suggestions um, mostly for matching things up or like um, smoothness, that kind of thing. Uh, just for anyone out there who's curious, I'm an acquisitions editor and an editor and not a copy editor. Bless them because I <laughs> am not nearly uh, qualified enough to make sure a book could actually go to print. Um, but so a lot of the same things, a lot of the same questions. Uh, so brace yourselves. This is also a part where I think mm-hmm. the agent turns into a little more hand-holding as somebody's going back into, you know, revisions after they felt like, but Mm -hmm. we just finished and then we went out on subs and the book sold. It's so exciting. Um, So sometimes that happens. Um, Similarly, I I also, I love and I offer a phone call as often as I possibly can because with an edit letter, even though those are really fantastic, and I've also obviously found that authors with audio processing issues or who just need the time. They just need to read it. Mm-hmm. They need to think about it. And otherwise, it's like not a fruitful conversation. Happy to write it down. Um, but if we get the chance to have the conversation, 
you avoid sort of the asynchronous issue of my assumptions running through the entire thing, whereas yeah. there can be a quick like, oh, I actually intended this. And then that changes a lot of my responses, right? So exactly. I guess all I'm doing is sort of pitching the concept of if if you can, you know, muster the confidence or the, you know, desire to get on the phone uh, with an agent or an editor, I do think it's a, mm-hmm. it's a really helpful thing. And if you can't, that's totally fine too. Edit letters <laughs> themselves look really different, um, editor to editor and for me, book to book. Sometimes it is, you know, I go through, I have big chunks that's like, Character A, character B, uh, world building questions. Um, and then sometimes they're two pages long and it's like bullet points of like, this is where I cried. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is, <laughs> you know, my one big question is this. And can you add like a whole section where she's getting from here to here? Because I was desperate to know more. Yeah. And sometimes they can be really brief, like you were saying, like one, two pages. I think my longest edit letter back when I was um, at Orbit was, I think, 25 pages. Whoa. Like, sometimes. <laughs> you... <laughs> hey, oh, my God. I know people who wrote longer letters. Uh, you ask your boss I... sometimes what the longest letter she wrote was. No. Um, and, uh, you know, so sometimes like having... Sometimes you just need to dig into lots of detailed things. And that, especially if we're going chronologically through the book of like chapter one, chapter two, like breaking things down, depending on the writer and what they need and what kind of conversation and what kind of changes you're suggesting, sometimes a lot of details what's called for the, the long edit letter, I think is very rare. Don't let that scare you. Um, and, you know, that was something that was produced in conversation with the author. I didn't just spring that on them. <laughs> but one thing that I wanted to point out about edit letters that's really important is what I think of as the uh, the compliment sandwich, right? <laughs> Where you start your letter with talking about the things that are good about the book. And hopefully you end the letter also with reminding the author, here are the things that I liked about the book. Here's the things that are working, right? And I think I see sometimes younger editors, newer editors skip that. And I think it's a huge mistake to do so because it's not just, we're not just like blowing smoke Mm-mm. You know, and we're not just complimenting you for no reason. It is kind of going back to what we were talking about last episode. It's showing that we are in alignment about what your intentions with the book are. If I'm telling you, here are the things that I think are working, and you read that and say, that ain't the book I wrote. That's not what I was trying to do. Then nothing in between the compliment section matters anymore, right? Because I don't understand what you're trying to accomplish. So all of my critiques aren't going to land now, right? So those alignment sections are as important, if not more important than all the critical stuff in between. It's not just to make you feel good. It is to make sure that I understand as deeply as I can what it was you were trying to accomplish so I can help you write the book that you meant to write to make it the best version of the thing you want it to be. So, you know, don't skim those compliments. Don't, Don't cut them. Don't not give them if you're an editor yourself. I think they're really, really important and really interesting and very fruitful conversation come out of it. Yeah, and also that's, I, I think I flagged this in our, one of the last episodes we just recorded, but that's also where I say, like, please don't cut this. Like, I love yeah. this. Like, I might be telling you to do, you know, make some sweeping changes and this could get caught up in that and I don't, I don't want to lose it. Um, mm-hmm. So those are genuinely, I find those very important. Yeah, and as a, as a writer, I can also say that, um, that now I recognize 
that those compliments are some of the most useful things because it is it is telling me what I'm doing well and uh and and as writers we are spectacularly bad at understanding what our strengths are because yeah. those strengths are usually things that come easy to us so we don't acknowledge them as being valuable and having someone else recognize that allows us to get, be like oh okay so that's something i'm good at i should look for more places where i can do the thing that i'm good at yeah and it exactly. a, a lot of parts of the process do focus on you know, what could be improved or like what opportunities are there that aren't here yet. So it's it's very important to focus on the things that are there mm-hmm. and that are working and can be expanded, like you're saying. Yeah. And, so, you know, again, flagging the things that like, this is great. This made me cry. This made me laugh. Like as you go through the manuscript are just really helpful because getting somebody telling you the stuff that doesn't work about your book over and over again for a long period of time can be quite demoralizing. Mm-hmm. And we understand that. So I encourage any people who are trying to be editors or agents out there to really remember that even aside from the alignment, just like having the little notes of like, yay, thumbs up. I liked this part <laughs> is so important just to, just to make the whole process go more smoothly. Um, whenever I see an edit letter, that's like too harsh or sometimes even sarcastic a little bit. Oof. It's like, mm, this is not working. We can't do this. We got to We got to switch up how we're approaching this writer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when we come back, uh, I will ask my second question. (laughs) (laughs) My things of the week are two incredible podcasts. One is called Rude Tales of Magic, and the other is called Oh, These, Those Stars of Space. Both of these podcasts just so happen to feature me regularly on almost every episode. (laughs) So if you like the sound of this, what's happening now, I simply must recommend Rude Tales of Magic and Oh These, Those Stars of Space. Um, Rude Tales of Magic is mostly fantasy. It's a collaborative, live-action, (laughs) role-playing... I believe the phrase I said earlier is that it's a collaborative, improvised storytelling podcast yes. that is roughly using the rules of Dungeons and Dragons to lightly flavor the type of story that you're telling. Correct. And then, oh, these are the stars of space is the science fiction version of that. And also, we have so much great merch. Go to rootalesofmagic.com slash store. Get a sweatshirt and don't listen. <laughs> It's entirely up to you. The sweatshirts are so soft. I'm wearing one right now. Thank you. Uh, I can attest to the quality of the merch as someone who owns them. I, I'm a huge fan of the podcast myself, as you can tell us. I'm stepping all over Ali's yes. uh, pitch here. But uh, Rude Tales in particular is a really wonderful podcast. If you like things like Critical Role and uh, Dimension 20, then absolutely you should check out Rude Tales. It is much more irreverent than those. <laughs> Um, but it is a group of truly hilarious comedians, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I as I, I'm just going to flag here for our listeners, um, even editors can be really bad at pitching their own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I promise we're all better at talking about other people's know, stuff than our stuff. That's why we do what we do. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. As we come back in, um, I'm going to ask another question. 
So we've talked about what the edit letter is. Um, and one of the things I, I just wanted to draw a line under is that uh, a lot of the edit letters that I get and that you all have talked about is really about the editor asking questions rather than giving answers to the author, that it, it really is about the a, a trust between the editor or the agent and the author. Um, but when you're a new author, you don't necessarily know that that trust is there and you don't know what the rules are. Mm-hmm. So they've asked you a question. They've asked if you can add more of this or more of that. Um, can you say no? I don't know. What do you think, Taiwan? That's really tough. tough. No, absolutely. Please say no. Please tell us no no. all the time. You have to say no. It's your project. You know it better than us. Know what you... This goes back to what I was saying earlier about loving your darlings, right? Like, know what you can change and what you're not willing to change, right? Know what the things are that are, you know, untouchable to you. And that's fine. We will work around that because what we want to know is what do you care about and why have you written the book that you've written and how can we make that the best version it can be, yes. right? So we will constantly be poking at stuff and you say, no, actually, I don't want to do that. My best case scenario is I make a suggestion of how to fix something and the author does something completely different. <laughs> yes. they, they, they do answer the question, but they just run off into the distance and come back with something wildly different. And that's always more exciting than whatever stupid <laughs> idea that I had. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, I have... I have a piece of text that I put at the beginning of all of the edit letters that I sent to new authors that I'm working with. And I, I really hope it gets through. And this is what it says. It says, I'm trusting you to safeguard what makes this story for you. When I offer you suggestions for changes and note opportunities for deeper exploration, I'm hoping to initiate your creative process. I fully expect you to come up with better ideas than the examples and suggestions I come up with to illustrate my thinking. Because that is really how I think of it, which is when I'm offering a suggestion or like a like a directly actionable, you know, specific recommendation. Mm-hmm. I'm really saying like, can you think of something better actually? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that so this much. This is kind of what I yeah. mean is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Th- there's a thing that I'll do, and this sounds worse than it actually is, but there's a thing that I do sometimes where... I will suggest something that I know is not a good idea because, and that the author will also recognize is not a good idea yes. because then they'll have a reaction to it, yeah. right? And when you have a reaction, now you have a direction, right? I do this a lot with titles most clearly is when I'll just start suggesting the, the worst titles in the world <laughs> so that they'll bounce off of it. And in bouncing off of it, a direction is going to start to emerge because like they keep running in this direction. They're like, no, that's too comedic. It has to be... Yeah more like this. And then I'm like, okay, now we have more information that we can start building around. And so the when I'm making a suggestion about an edit, I mean, usually it is sincere of like, what if we did this? What if we thought about it this way? But really what I'm looking for is a reaction to the suggestion, not an execution of the suggestion. Yes. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Did you see Hannibal, the show? Uh, not that much of it, only the first season. Okay, well, in the first season, there's an episode where... Hannibal commits a murder in the style of a murderer (laughs) to show Will Graham like what it isn't, you know, like what is actually special about that. And I I think about that all the time, how I'm committing bad murders to show (laughs) their murder, you know, this other murder they're trying to figure out that's actually like this. 
If you take nothing else away from this episode, please remember that we are the Hannibal to your will, Grant. Yes, that's all I'm saying. That's uh, that's uh, beautiful, and I am making notes about being alone in a room with. <laughs> but but it is. I, I will say that you know, as as an author, the um, the the thing for me is is that suggestion. For me, it it identifies that there is a problem that I need to address. And the suggestion is usually wildly wrong, um, but the problem is is usually one that's present. And so when I don't understand why a suggestion has been made, I will go back to the editor and I will ask mm-hmm. clarifying questions. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. I think if there's anything you truly do take away, you know, not choking this time, it's that <laughs> if you don't understand what the editor is asking you to do or if you don't feel it's right, just ask questions. Just start a conversation. Yes, um, please. You know, whether it's your agent, whether it's your editor, if you feel like you cannot go to them and have a conversation about what is going well or what's not going well, then there's something that needs to be tweaked about that relationship because it's your book at the end of the day and you should feel empowered mm. to make sure that you're writing the book that you want to be writing. And that means asking questions, advocating for yourself, advocating for your ideas. If there's something you really care about that they're really pushing back against, then that should be at least a conversation, if not an adjustment that everyone's working around what your goals yeah, are. Yeah, and I, I remind myself all the time, it's your name on the cover, right? Yeah. No, nobody else that you're working with, their name's going to be on the cover. So that's your, it is your vision. It is your job to safeguard things and to also like keep your ears open and be really honest with yourself if something causes friction within you, but that discomfort might settle into a realization of an opportunity right so sometimes Mm -hmm. that initial reaction can be really intense and we thank you for your three-day waiting period before telling us (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. so i'm going to give writers a a quick moment of perspective from some of my experience and and then some a, a tool that is extremely valuable the the first is that um with my first series, I would hit things that my editor would say, and I'd be like, no, this is very wrong, and I'm doing this for a reason, I'm going to keep it. And I only did that a couple of times, but without exception, without exception, my editor was right that there was a problem, and that is a thing that got dinged in reviews. Like mm. people would say that they would, it would get brought up. So my editor's suggestion on how to fix it I, I was the thing that I was objecting to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I didn't recognize that at the time. But now when I get a suggestion, I don't agree with it. I will, I will ask for more clarification, uh, but I will see if I can dig into it and find a way to do something that makes me happy that addresses whatever the problem is. And the other piece of that is that sometimes the reason that you are having the, no, this is a terrible idea, is just because you're tired <laughs> and you're feeling a little bit defensive because your baby, someone has come in and told you that your baby is ugly. So if you hit three, three editor notes in a row that you think are stupid, walk away from the edit letter. Go take yeah. a walk, go do something else. You're just tired and angry. I mean, do call your friend, tell them how stupid we are, get mad be it's totally 
absolutely appropriate and shows that you give a shit about your book if you're mad at, you know, like suggestions that don't feel right immediately. But I encourage you to do that in private, in private. In chat, <laughs> and not on Twitter or Blue Sky. Yes. yes. That is a thing that I don't recommend you do. I, yeah. Ideally yeah. in private, rage in private. Um, but then come back and then see what still feels bad or feels mm-hmm. different. Yeah. And one thing I, I just want to point out that maybe is like too obvious to, to point out, but you know, editors, agents are people, right? Um, they are individuals mm. with strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I know we're all just robots and yeah, very mm. questionable. But have their own personality quirks, have their own modes of communication, have their own styles, right? And one thing that may be happening if you're feeling really frustrated is an editor might just have an abrasive style or a style that just doesn't vibe with you, you know? And, you know, sometimes I will get an email from a client being like, hey, I got notes from this editor. Can you take a look at them and tell me what's happening here? And sometimes the answer is, oh, they're missing X, Y, Z. Or sometimes I'm just like, they just kind of talk like that. (laughs) And that is rubbing you the wrong way. And I've seen that both go in the too harsh and too nice direction, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. I've seen both send up a flag for for the writer. And so much of this is matching personality, matching style, matching uh, uh, how we communicate, how we connect. And again, that alignment stuff I'm talking about, this is where it becomes really important. So, you know, sometimes, you know, if your editor is left or you didn't choose your editor or, you know, for whatever reason, you might be stuck with someone for a second that, and you need to find a way to work it out. But other times it is a question of like, make sure that you're working with someone you're excited to work with. Don't just be taking the first thing that's offered to you or the biggest number that was offered to you when you don't like the person. The connection with your team is so important to making sure that everyone is happy with the end result. So how do you how do you get that alignment with between the writer and the editor on a project? Like are there tools that are useful to make sure that everyone's actually on the same page? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's asking questions, right? Um, you know, it, it, we kind of keep coming back to the same things in certain ways, but, you know, it's it's that the compliment section of the edit letter, not just talking about what's wrong, but talking about what's going right. Um, and sometimes it's taste stuff, right? Like sometimes even talking about other books, other movies yes. and things that you both like can be really useful because then that gives you a shared language of like, oh, we both love Hannibal. So our serial killer book, we wanted to feel more like Hannibal than we do like, you know, Scream, right? And so having that shorthand of vibes that you both are feeling can be really, really helpful to figure that out. Yeah. And even on that, you know, if you have that initial call with an editor who's interested in your book, you can ask mildly irrelevant questions. Obviously nothing like too personal or inappropriate, right? Because that's a... (laughs) Probably not your business, but you can ask questions because the more someone talks, the more they display their values and their interests and their thoughts. And like, it's kind of just reaching out and touching someone else's mind uh, for a little while Mm -hmm. and seeing if you you like what you see. Right. Well, with that, let's segue to our homework as we try to touch the minds of our listeners. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Not creepy at all. (laughs) Not creepy at all. Uh, And for my final thought. Exactly. Um, So I have a homework for us this week. Um, I would like you, thinking about this alignment question, I would like you to take a work you haven't written and come up with three questions you would ask the writer to help them clarify their intention in the text. 
you know, whether this is your, a project you're beta reading for a friend, a short story, even like a movie that you've seen, take a piece, a story that you in, engage with and really figure out what are the questions I would ask the creator of this to really help them understand better what it was that they were going for. And then for bonus points, I want you to apply those questions to your own work in progress. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go edit. Hey, have you sold a short story or finished your first novel? Congratulations. Also, let us know. We'd love to hear from you about how you've applied the stuff we've been talking about to craft your own success stories. Use the hashtag WXSuccess on social media or drop us a line at success at writingexcuses.com. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.